Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The delicious conversation starts right here and right now. And I welcome you to my kitchen. Whether you love to cook or love to eat, I like to say we can definitely be friends. You're also bound to find something you'll love on this show. Please visit chefjamie.com for my features, forums, recipes, and cooking videos, and take your cooking skills to the next level just by staying tuned. You can also find my daily dish on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So please become a friend and a fan at Chef Jamie Gwen. We are heating it up in your radio every weekend with grand guests and chef's tips to make your dishes come alive with flavor. I cover food, wine, and cocktails, travel, health, and the environment, and I'm all about living the best life. On this show, every food topic is on the table, so let me set that table for you today. Coming up, I am delighted that Micah Peters is here. You know her as a James Beard award-winning author, and if you've ever wondered what's for dinner... We all have the daily conundrum. Well, we have an answer to that question. Micah has shared 365 recipes to inspire you to cook and bake, taking you all throughout the year with her seasonal approach. And she's full of glorious knowledge, so stay tuned. Also, before the end of the hour, I am delighted to share this gentleman's story. It is not only a delicious one, but a story of a gentleman dedicated to doing good. The KC Cattle Company is led by Patrick Montgomery, a former member of the 1st Ranger Battalion. And after his time in the military, he set out to better all of us, I will say, by raising good cattle that make for beautiful beef. And he will share his practices in agriculture and give you the lowdown on Wagyu. If you've ever wanted to know more about the specialty beef, we are digging deep. So please do stay tuned. My goal is to satiate your appetite. So I kick off this show with a lesson, a tutorial of sorts, and it's time to start thinking about mashed potatoes again. Oh, yes, it is. Fall braises and hearty winter fare, Thanksgiving. Yes, they are all quickly approaching. But really, how good are your mashed potatoes? While they look deceptively simple, I think that mashed potatoes are an art to master. So this is the lowdown on glorious spuds. And I'm going to share my best recipe with you. Compliments of my training with Wolfgang Puck a whole lot of years ago when I was 16 and staging or interning in his restaurant called Eureka in Santa Monica, California. And oh, I miss that restaurant. It's really the recipe itself, an homage to my training. Uh, Wolfgang taught me to make mashed potatoes in his exhibition kitchen at Eureka, and it was a great restaurant. But back to my mashed potato tutorial. So firstly, when choosing the potato, well, the starchy russets, the traditional baking potato, I should say, 
definitely gives you the best fluffy texture. But my favorite is still the Yukon Gold. I love that buttery, wonderful mouthfeel. I love the yellow color. And I think they work equally well for mashing. Now, as for the cooking process, I like to start the potatoes in cold water so that they come up to temperature with the water and cook evenly. Great chef's tip. Potatoes should always be started in cold water if you are boiling, of course. And I cook the potatoes whole or in halves, but the largest pieces you feel comfortable with because I feel they don't absorb as much water and they retain their flavor better that way. And I like to season the water in quotes. I'll tell you about that in just a minute. Now, as for the dairy, it is most important that your dairy is warm before adding it to your mash. Did you hear that? That is probably my best chef's tip for mashed potatoes. If the dairy is warm, you resist gummy mashed potatoes. And equally important... You add the butter to the potatoes first. I'll tell you why. The water content in the milk or half and half or heavy cream or a combination thereof that you choose to use combines with the starch molecules in the potato, which tends to make the potatoes gluey. But when you add the butter first, it coats the starch in the potatoes and it results in silkier mashed potatoes. And Always use really good unsalted butter, please, for the best flavor. When it comes to texture, I like mine to be rich and perfectly smooth and creamy with plenty of butter and heavy cream. I believe in everything in moderation and you're not going to eat the whole pot, of course, but somewhere between a dish on its own and a sauce, I think mashed potatoes should have the consistency of pudding. And a food mill or a ricer is best for creating the ultimate texture. Now, a potato masher and some serious elbow grease works too, as does a stand mixer on low speed, although some great chefs will disagree. But please, and I beg of you, please, please, please do not, I repeat, do not use your food processor. You are guaranteed to overmix and get gummy mashed potatoes. So as promised, My incredibly smooth, flavorful mashed potatoes, they're still my favorite, taught by Wolfgang Puck to throw peeled garlic cloves into the water when cooking the potatoes. So when I alluded to seasoning earlier, yes, season the water with salt because that makes the potatoes taste good and we want to season every level or every step of the process. But throw in raw peeled garlic cloves to the water and you get this subtle garlic flavor that permeates beautifully. They get really tender during the boiling process too. So when you mash your potatoes or rice them, throw the garlic cloves in after you've drained the potatoes from the water, mix them into the mix And then, as I mentioned, I love creme fraiche, rich and tangy, lots of fresh herbs, good quality butter, and some half and half. And you have the ultimate mashed potato. They are delectably rich with a little bit of slightly tart flavor that comes from using the creme fraiche. 
And if I may say myself, they are truly delicious and I will gladly share the recipe. It is my bonus recipe for the week. And all you need to do is email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. That will get you to me so that we can dish and I will send you the ultimate mashed potato recipe right away. Okay, time for food news this week. Here's some more news you can use. If you have listened to this show before, you know that I am an ice cream fiend. Oh, yes. You also know that I seldom talk politics. I do not get political here on the radio. But this is just cool food news. So, criminal justice reform... A tough topic to broach, right? But Ben and Jerry's believes that they have a way to make the idea more palatable. Leave it to Ben and Jerry. They say discuss it over ice cream. So Ben and Jerry's has a new flavor available. It's called Justice Remixed. And you know, Vermont's always politically active ice cream mavens have something to say rather often, and I love it. The flavor is billed as cinnamon and chocolate ice cream with gobs of cinnamon bun dough and spicy fudge brownies, and it is meant to engage your head just as much as your taste buds. Taste buds. I got excited because we're talking about ice cream. The ice cream flavor has been released in partnership with the Advancement Project National Office to spotlight structural racism in a broken criminal legal system. So whether you eat it to make a statement or you just love cinnamon buns, it might be your newest ice cream addiction. You can look for it in the freezer case and learn more at benjerry.com. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Jerry. And that is food news (laughs) this week. All right, we are cooking up a storm coming up next. 365 recipes, a year of everyday cooking and baking documented in a new cookbook that has been noted as one of the best cookbooks of fall by the New York Times. Micah Peters is here and we are going to dish. So there's fabulous food coming up in your radio. Chef Jamie Gwen here. Don't go away. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Oh, we're cooking today. Every home cook and chef, by the way, faces the same conundrum. What should I make for dinner? Now there is a delicious answer to that question. 365, A Year of Everyday Cooking and Baking by Micah Peters just released. And it was named one of the New York Times 13 Best Cookbooks of Fall. This is a big cookbook launch because you can treat yourself to a year of home cooking from the glorious author of the 2017 James Beard Award winning book, Eat in My Kitchen, and the creator of the blog by that same name. 
365 new recipes designed to complement the rhythm of your week from Micah's quick creative weeknight pasta dinners to her colorful salads and the long simmering weekend stews and cozy cakes that she makes so beautifully. This is a new home cooking Bible that will inspire you in the kitchen the whole year through. And I am delighted that Micah is here to share her best recipes of the season. Welcome to the show, Micah. Glad to have you. Thank you so much for this wonderful introduction. Yes. Thank you. Of course. Micah, you are quite an extraordinarily talented cook. I love that the recipes are very much European influenced. You cook for two or three or four people, which makes the book to me so applicable to home cooking as we know it today. And when you started your blog in 2013, you shared one dish a day for a year, right? That was really the inspiration behind this book. In 2013, I decided to start a food blog. I liked this um, experience of sharing recipes, writing about them, taking pictures, So in the first year, I decided, okay, I'm going to do that every day. And it was a a very beautiful experience because it wasn't only about my cooking. I got Mm. a lot of feedback from my readers. They told me how they felt about my recipes. Some of them even sent me their recipes and asked me if I would cook them and share them on the blog. So it was a very, very beautiful experience to do that. To do something every day also means that you improve. I always felt very confident with my cooking. I've been cooking since I'm, since I'm 17 and I moved out. <laughs> but um, it's, it improved my writing, my photography. But like I said, it was really, really nice to have this daily exchange with, with my readers on, on the blog and then to translate this experience into a cookbook. Of course. It is an incredible lesson in dedication. I love that you practiced your trade And that you honed your skills day after day because there's a tremendous amount of confidence, I think, that comes from that. Do you ever repeat? Like, I wonder, do you have a favorite dish or one that your family loves? And they say, "Uh, Micah, can you you go back to February and make recipe number uh, 37? Of of course I repeat sometimes. I mean, in my everyday life, for example, every every Sunday we, we make pizza at home from scratch. The tradition oh. that we started. I love that. Uh, there are certain pasta recipes that I love. There are. I don't really ha- have a favorite dish. I think my last dish would be would my last meal would be bread and olive oil. I just love bread and olive oil. <laughs> but when it comes to recipe, they very much depend on on the mood that I'm in, on the season. So they kind of change with the months, with the days, with the weeks. Um, and there are some recipes that I always go back to, or sometimes I change a few details. But there are also some recipes that I just love so much that I don't want to change a single thing. Yes, of course. Um, I love that the recipes are categorized by uh, the day of the year. So by the month, you go um, from January to December. And I can feel the seasons change as I flip through the pages in the book. So I thought we would shake off the fall chill and cook together. And I chose recipes that I can't wait to make. And I thought we would dish on October and then move on to holiday dishes for November and December. So that sounds sounds delicious to me too. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Recipe number 274 takes us into um, October. 
you make a lasagna bolognese with parsnip. And that is fascinating to me. What does lasagna and a parsnip have in common to you? I love the classic bolognese. I love it in a lasagna. I love it with spaghetti. But um, my feeling was that that a lasagna can can take a bit more vegetables. It's it's very it focuses a lot on the meat in the bolognese, but I wanted to kind of lighten it up a bit. And parsnip have something have a very particular taste. They're mm-hmm. very earthy. They're very, it's, it's very yeah. It's 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 kind of made for for cozy recipes. So the idea was really to on one side to lighten it up a bit the the lasagna, but on the other side. To, to introduce a vegetable that is that that fits to that cozy comfort food feeling that a lasagna has, and the and parsnips are just just perfect for this. We're making recipe number two seventy eight: polenta with roasted grapes and rosemary. The beautiful complement of polenta to oven roasted meats like a, a pork shoulder or tenderloin. That's quintessential fall to me. Roasted grapes were, were quite a revelation for me when I, was just, <laughs> I started playing around with them because I love grapes. Me but too. But when you roast them, their their sweetness becomes more intense. Their, their their taste in general it becomes a bit more intense. So I started playing around with this, and there are really many ways or many many ingredients you can combine it with. Polenta is one of them. This the creamy again, the creaminess, but mm. also this, it's, it's this perfect autumn comfort food. That can, yeah, it, it just improves when you add a bit of the, the sweet sourness of the grapes. Yes. So visually, it looks really, really beautiful. And you very simply roast the grapes in a baking dish at 425 degrees for about 30 minutes or so. And you just drizzle them with olive oil and you throw in some rosemary sprigs, right? And very simply, you could use those roasted grapes with just about anything. I would think um, I love protein and fruit together, but as a pairing for chicken um, with anything off the grill or smoky um, on a winter cheese board, I would love to to eat roasted grapes. Exactly. I also have one chicken, roasted chicken um, recipe in the book, and it combines grapes and lots of garlic. And first I wasn't sure how this would work, the grapes and the garlic. Mm. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful dish. Or what I often do is when I roast the grapes, I, I just double the amount from the start, and the first day I have it with the polenta, and the next day, for example, I combine it with burrata or mozzarella di bufala and a bit of prosciutto, oh. and you have a gorgeous starter for, for a dinner party or a light little lunch. Oh, that's the perfect. Week. So they're just, I love, actually, I love preparing ingredients, and already at the back of my mind, I, I think of how can I use them for, for, different, for different meals throughout the week. Or you can also use the roasted grapes as a topping for, for a wintry soup. So that, mm. yeah, when you when you kind of plan your your meals like that, your your weekly cooking like that, you make your you make your life much easier and more delicious. And and more delicious, no doubt. I love the way you cook, Micah. Don't go anywhere. Will you stay, please? Because there's so much more fabulous food to dish on. Of course. Okay. Good. Thank you. Stay tuned. More with Micah Peters as we discuss. Oh, the delicious dishes every day. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Don't go away.
back and we're dishing with the award-winning author and travel and food blogger Micah Peters. Her book just released, 365, a whole year of glorious recipes. What should you cook tonight? Well, don't touch your dial because we're sharing delicious inspiration. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Micah, we're moving on to November and I loved finding this delicious inspired recipe of yours for Mediterranean bittersweet chocolate and orange muffins. Chocolate and orange is just the perfect pairing. And with your European flair, you've added some Mediterranean flavor there. But I'm thinking breakfast or dessert, right? I actually love it. I, I can have it for breakfast. But sometimes I, I think you can even serve muffins for as, as dessert after a dinner party when you add some ice cream yes. or, or tea time is perfect. Actually, this recipe is inspired by my, um, my Maltese, my Mediterranean um, grandmother-in-law. My partner is half American, half Maltese. So we spend a lot of time in the Mediterranean. Mm. And one day, my, my, my granny in, in Malta, my granny Edith, made a bittersweet chocolate and orange cake, which was so light but buttery. It was so perfect. I, and she, she, she actually baked it for tea time. So when I got back home to Berlin, I decided I want to turn them into little muffins, like you said, to have them as little bites for breakfast. So that worked out. Uh, perfectly you just have these little little bites that that look like the raising the raising sun in the mediterranean and they just have this perfect balance of the bittersweet chocolate then the citrusy orangey zesty taste it's it's a very very nice combination beautiful i think it would make a lovely gift of food at the holidays as well i i love to bring edible concoctions to friends' homes and parties and places and give them as gifts at the holidays. And along with the recipe, I'll give you credit, Mike, I promise. I'm thinking <laughs> that will make the the perfect gift of food. Food is the best gift you can give to people. Yes. At your home, at your table, or when you go to a, to a friend's house. Mm. It feels like it's a gift that makes everybody always very, very happy. Yes, I agree for sure. Uh, moving on to more wintry recipes. Uh, Number 342, you make a Christmassy braised beef shank with spices and red wine. This is one of your, uh, I think, heritage dishes, I would call it, right? Long, slow cooking and an inexpensive cut that feeds a crowd, but really rich and luscious and full of umami. So this recipe is really very much influenced by my German heritage, by my mother's cooking. My mother taught me to cook. She taught me all the important technique so to speak she said i should always trust my 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 mood my my intuition Hmm. Um, but she said to get there you first have to learn the techniques and my mother masters roasts and and her sauces are just divine so um my mother cooks actually a lot of beef or she cooks beef shanks very very often so there are quite a few recipes that i develop with beef shanks because i i i love meat that that cooks for, for, for many, many hours. It becomes tender, it's, it's succulent. Mm. And when you add a lot of spices, for example, you infuse the meat. So you can, depending on what spices you add, or if you add fruits or herbs, you can really, you can point it into different directions. And this one, to me, is just the perfect 
Christmas dish. And the great thing is you can prepare it in advance. So if you prepare it a day or even two days ahead, you 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 don't have any work left, but you just have a, a dish that that is even more intense in, in flavor. Yes, and I will say dishes like this, and especially long cooked stews and the sauce that comes together from a multitude of flavors. You have a cardamom, cinnamon, and allspice. I think that those beautiful pots of goodness are so much tastier two or three days later when all the flavors meld together and they've been allowed to mellow and the acidity of the red wine becomes a little bit more subtle. So I say make it ahead because like you said, it's a great do ahead dish, but it tastes more delicious if you've done it in advance. That just looks so delicious to me. I want to absolutely lick the page. I, I, I want to pick a carrot off the plate and eat it. Um, for a, I always do that. I actually lick the plate off yeah. <laughs> because I don't want to waste a drop of the sauce. Of course not. Um, for a celebratory meal, I loved your spaghetti with scallops, pink champagne, butter, and pomegranate. How beautiful. At one point, I, it was after a party, I had um, some champagne left in a bottle that to be honest, it doesn't happen so often. Really? <laughs> Leftover champagne? Was, oh, no. So there was some champagne <laughs> left, and I thought, well, how can, what, can I, what can I use that for? What can I do with that? And then there was this idea, like, very often after, after the festive days, after the Christmas days, we have some champagne left, and um, we, we still feel like having, having a special meal, but maybe something that's a bit more... That's a bit quicker, so spaghetti, pasta is just perfect. So you just sear the scallops, you, um, you deglaze them with the champagne, you have this gorgeous sauce, and it's such a quick and simple dish that you can even make with leftovers. It's just, it's just perfect. Oh. And with, when you finish it with butter, or as we say in the French term, monte au beurre, right? The butter with the champagne yeah. is just yeah. such a beautiful combination. Just perfect. Uh, leave us with this, Micah, because this book is full of so much delicious inspiration. Kudos to you. Uh, back to your uh, German heritage. Uh, in the Christmas markets, you talk about uh, a layered marzipan cake with bittersweet chocolate. And I think this is going to be my holiday project. That has to be one of the most impressive, beautiful desserts to serve. Uh, 356 the numbered recipe in the book is, can you name it for me? A German, is it Baumkuchen? It's, it's, yeah, exactly. It's Baumkuchen, which, which, which would be treat cake because it actually looks like, when you cut through, it looks like, um, like the lines of, of, of a tree. So it is um, like the, the, the growth rings of a tree. Yes. So usually it is baked at the Christmas markets in, um, in Germany. They bake it on a spit. So they they dip this um, the spit in in the dough, and then it rotates. It is close to a fire, and it bakes. And then they dip it into the the, the batter again, and again it's being baked. Oh, One you layer get layers, yes. You have all these these beautiful layers, and it's um, there is a bit of marzipan in. It's it's a little bit sweet, not too sweet. It is uh, it's it's quite. It's quite moist, and um, then in the end, it gets this nice, bittersweet chocolate uh, glaze that's wrapped all around. 
So at home, what I do at home is I just bake it in a normal baking dish, and um, I just add one 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 cake layer after or one dough layer after the other. I bake it, then I add another layer. I bake it again. So in the end, I cut I cut my cake into squares and drizzle the the bitters and chocolate over it. And apart from the fact that they taste really absolutely divine, they're they're mm. addictive. They are also a really really beautiful gift for at the Christmas at Christmas time for for friends because they look really really pretty. Yes, I, I cannot wait to make it. In my heritage, I was raised uh, proudly Jewish. We have a seven layer cake that you often yeah. find, right? Like in a Jewish delicatessen or otherwise. And it is my mom's favorite. So I remember as a little girl eating one layer at a time off the slice that was cut for me. And I always saved the chocolate on top, that top layer uh, for the end. So the memories of seven layer cake transformed into this beautiful uh, German cake with marzipan and dark chocolate, the bittersweet as you make it, will be first on my list. So thank you for the delicious inspiration. The book is really beautiful, a work of art. Congratulations to you. I am thrilled so with, much. yes, with the New York Times nod. Um, and you are welcome here anytime. Please come back on the show and share more decadent recipes. Thank well, you very much. Thank you. You can take the pressure off and celebrate food 365 days a year with the new cookbook release from Micah Peters entitled 365, A Year of Everyday Cooking and Baking. It is a crave-worthy collection of recipes, a grand gift for every avid cook. Uh, the cookbook will no doubt inspire you the whole year through and beyond. The book is available on Amazon and in bookstores nationwide. You can follow Micah at Eat in My Kitchen. Again, the book entitled 365, A Year of Everyday Cooking and Baking. Trust me, you want it. Micah, thank you again so much. Safe travels to you um, and to delicious dishes. Thank you so much. This is such a beautiful situation or hmm. such a beautiful occasion to exchange our, our ideas about food. I'm, I'm really, really happy to be on your show. Well, thank you. It was my pleasure and privilege as well. We do have the best culinary thinkers on this show, so full of passion. Um, we're grateful that you're listening. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio with lots more delicious conversation right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back and get ready to dig in. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. This is not only delicious insight, but a dedicated story of a gentleman doing good. KC Cattle Company employs and mentors veterans and donates proceeds from sales to veterans foundations. Their brisket is the most delicious I have ever tasted. And I am very delighted to have Patrick Montgomery here on the show. As a former member of the 1st Ranger Battalion, Sergeant Patrick looks to bring the lessons learned from blood, sweat, tears, and hardship, no doubt, during his time in the military, to his practices in agriculture. Specifically, 
He raises quality beef for the very same people and communities that he once served as a ranger. So with holiday meals and family dinners and gatherings upcoming, I thought that you should get to know your brisket and learn about the good work going on in our country. Patrick Montgomery of KC Cattle Company is here to dish, and I'm very proud to have you. Hi, Patrick, and thank you. Hi, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me on your show. First and foremost, thank you for your glorious service. You're welcome. Yes. You're welcome. Uh, please share your passion. Tell us your story first. I, I assume you've always been a meat lover, but you dedicated yourself to this country, and you have continued to give back through your passion for very delicious beef. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, when I was coming up on reenlistment, the first range battalion there, um, you know, I was faced with the decision of whether I wanted to stay in or get out. My wife was, um, girlfriend at the time was pretty persistent about me trying something in the civilian world. So I got out in order to pursue a career path as a large animal veterinarian. Um, I fell in love with business while I was going through my animal science program at the zoo. And uh, kind of the brain baby of those two passions was Casey Cattle Company. Um, you know, I kind of really saw a deficiency in the market between the end consumer and um, agriculture and just kind of that, that, that uh, gap of knowledge between the two industries. And so, you know, when I thought of Casey Cattle Company, that was kind of the end goal was to inform and educate consumers about how their beef is actually raised and what makes it delicious. Yes. So school us, please. Let's talk cows and your ranch. Uh, the environment that the cattle are raised m- makes a very big difference. It does. You know, there's a, there's a lot of research coming out that uh, talks about how if animals are stressed out while they're living on hooves, um, you know, that, that results in a poor quality product because of the excess cortisol levels. So one of the big things we believe in is trying to keep the animals um, as stress-free as possible. So um, that means Staying away from cattle prowls and, and, you know, riding them hard on horseback and things like that. You know, most of the cattle on the property are trained to come to a bucket, which makes moving them and sorting them and, and working them a lot easier than, than doing other things that are a more stressful environment for the animals. Right. We like to say the cows are happy, right? Happy cows. Yes. Happy cows make good beef. And no hormones or antibiotics. I thought what was so interesting in learning about your beef is that you have higher omega-3 and omega-6 levels because of the higher marbling and the good fat. So that's like a win-win, good food, great cause. Yeah, that's, that's, what, they're, that's what they're thinking. There's a lot of research going on about that right hmm. now. And uh, it's kind of cool that when you, when you take even just the subcutaneous fat from these animals, uh, at room temperature it's almost a liquid, which is very different than traditional breeds of, of cattle. So it, yes. it's, it's kind of cool to play around with the beef and see hmm. some of the differences between standard breeds and Wagyu. So interesting. Okay, let's discuss Wagyu, please, and how it relates to Kobe beef from Japan. You're raising all Wagyu cattle, correct? Yeah, so we do both uh, what we call F1s, which is essentially 50% Wagyu and 50% some kind of continental traditional breed of cattle, normally Angus. And then we also do full-blood cattle, which is 100% Wagyu. Okay, so Wagyu is known for being what is considered like American Kobe, uh, lo- lots more marbling, much richer in flavor, uh, crazy great tenderness. Uh, it's the step up, no doubt, um, but it 
also gives you, I think, the most exceptional flavor because you get the balance of the richness of the meat and the toothsomeness at the same time. It really can't be beat. It's pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yes. there, there's a lot of confusion out in the marketplace about different, and a lot of that is, is in fault of some of the breeders that haven't always been exactly honest about, you know, what they're serving up. And, you know, we've tried to be very transparent about what we're serving. Um, you know, mm-hmm. people get super confused about American Wagyu versus Kobe versus A5 uh, Japanese Wagyu. Um, you know, it is the same breed that they raise in Japan. It's just a matter of how much percentage is Wagyu is going to tell that difference in. And then, obviously, Kobe beef is from the Kobe region of Japan. So. Right. I love that you're giving back. And once again, we applaud you for your service. We thank you. Um, and kudos to you. You took um, your business insight and your passion for bettering the planet and bettering uh, the dishes that we serve on our tables. Um, and you're doing really good work. Um, and by the way, it is scrumptious, truly. Absolutely. Um, it is with a great pride and pleasure that I have the opportunity to talk about you and your business. Um, and so congratulations to you once again. At any given time, Casey Cattle Company has about 60 cows on that 300-acre farm of Patrick's. And once you taste Patrick's steaks, you will understand what fresh, delicious beef tastes like. He is raising Wagyu uh, and he's doing it wholesomely and kindly and oh the brisket. Casey Cattle is a Kansas City based cattle company 100% veteran owned and operated and homegrown by heroes. You can learn more at kccattlecompany.com and also follow at KC Cattle Company. One of the blessings of this radio program allows me to share good work being done in the food industry across the country and around the world. Patrick Montgomery, you are doing good work. And once again, thank you for sharing your passion. Thank you for having me on, Jamie. If food is your fetish, well, then I certainly hope that I supplied the tools Perfecting your palate every weekend. That brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. I do hope that you'll tune in next weekend, though, as I intend to make you hungry for more. But before you go, I will leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of culinary conversation for the hour. I say, make your own everything seasoning. Don't you love an everything bagel? I do. And you can buy everything seasoning in a jar now, but why not make your own? It is so good on more than just bagels. You combine poppy seeds, sesame seeds, minced garlic, minced dried onion, and kosher salt. And then you can sprinkle it on popcorn and French fries and eggs in the morning And I will gladly share the recipe on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Chef Jamie Gwen, posting it now. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I do hope that you continue to eat well. (laughs) 